It's recording now. Let's go live in five, four, three, two, one. Hello, y'all. Welcome to Into the Light. I'm Braylon Drew. And I'm Aaron Stinger. And we are so happy to have our special guests on today. It's the first time we're having two people, Calix and Joe. And we are so happy to have them. Absolutely. We're so excited to have Calix and Joe on the podcast. So the way we got connected, Calix and I both served in the same mission the best mission in the world, Philippines Bacola mission. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're so excited. We're going to focus a lot on, on Calix's story. And then Joe is Calix's husband. Um, and we're going to talk about relationships today as well. Just a brief like intro to both of them. Calix is studying psychology at UVU. And Joe is studying international business at UVU as well, correct? Yep. Awesome. Cool. And the one thing that I always remember about Calix is she is a Pete Carroll fan. So (laughs) you'll never let that go. (laughs) I won't. No, I won't. (laughs) Ever since I told you that I was a USC fan. She's from Southern (laughs) Cal. Never let it go. (laughs) It's okay. He's kind of grown on me since. Aaron, it's been four years. (laughs) Get over it. I can't. I can't. Gosh. (laughs) But yeah, that's Calix and Joe. Oh, we're super so happy to have you all on. Thanks for coming. No, we're super happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Yeah, let's get into it. So we want to start out with, um, okay, we want to start out with kind of how you grew up. Um, did you grow up in the gospel? Um, your siblings, your parents, was it very integrated in your home? Were you... Um, like, how was the gospel influenced in your life, and how was your family relationship and dynamic? Okay, so my family relationships are quite a doozy in both good and bad ways, but I love my family, um, and I am the oldest of four sibling of four kids, and it's like, I guess, kind of, if you ever heard of it, it's like, like the oldest sibling kind of takes the role like another parent, honestly. Yep. And so I, I would say, I guess I pretty much grew up in the church just because my mom got baptized when I was two Hmm. and she was taught by sister missionaries. And I basically learned the gospel, I guess, in the perspective of my mom, because like growing up in the church, you're go to primary, you go to, you know, you go to nursery, you also go to like young men and young women, then you go in the like relief society. It's like a whole pro like process and progress as you like get older and you like yeah. acquire more knowledge. And my mom didn't have any of that. And so she the way we learned the gospel was through those like nest entertainment videos. Do you guys remember those? Yeah. Like, they're on VHS too. Yeah. <laughs> those but those don't really exist anymore. No, yeah. I think my family's awesome. But I had this cute little T V that was like a foot by a foot. And we would put put it in, and we would just watch them over and over and over again. And so that's how I like I would go into primary when I was like six or seven, and like I knew like who King David was, and like, <laughs> and, like awesome. I knew who Esther was, and I knew like the story of Moses and like Joseph and Egypt. And there's and that was something like my mom took pride in too. She was just like, oh, like I was I didn't get I wasn't raised in the church, but like my kid knows all of this too because um, we like yeah. watched it together. And so like my mom and I were basically like partners in crime. And then my dad, like, and my mom were, like, very interesting relationship they had, um, like, on and off a lot. But they officially separated when I was 10, and then eventually got actually legally divorced when I was about 15 or 16. Okay. 
And so I was basically raised by my mom, even like since the day I was born. And I, and I know Wait, your mom was there Stop. since the day you were born. <laughs> yeah, she was, but my dad. Was there. I'm just <laughs> I just got that right now. He'll probably make a lot of those jokes. Um, But you know what I mean. But basically, um, just my entire life since then, like, my mom has been kind of like my partner in crime. Mm. And then eventually, like, my parents, when that period they were actually, like, married in together, I had a brother and then a set of twins for a sibling. So it's a boy and a girl. And we, they were, we were basically practically raised in a church and we were all very close. We weren't close when we were younger, but I feel like as we got older, we had different experiences. Um, and the way that the gospel was taught was, I think, more of the, the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. The way like my dad was raised, though, was very much like, you got to do it this way. It has to be this way. I've always been taught it to be this way. So if you change it, then it's wrong. You're sinning. Or, was like, your dad a member? Yeah, he was. And so my, none of my, no one in my family served a mission except for my dad's brother and then myself. Okay. Um, and so a lot of it on my dad's side, and not that it's bad. Like, I think there's so much um, beauty in, like, the dis- in discipline and learning how to, like, control yourself and, like, lo- knowing what, like, lines not to cross and stuff like that. So it's, like, that bridle your passions type mm-hmm. of thing. But then there's also the point where you kind of lose the spirit of it all. Yeah. And I feel like that's something... The my point m- exactly the command. But exactly. And the why, the why you do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not because, like, you're not only commanded, but you also feel, like, the blessings and, like the love mm. you have from and who you're mother. becoming yeah exactly and so i feel like when my mom got introduced to this she saw it more as like i have a testimony of christ because i love him mm-hmm. and like he's blessed my life and i know that if i do this like not only it's not like transactional where it's like if i do this i'll get a blessing but it's like i know that what i'm doing is helping me be a better person too mm-hmm. and That's i'm important. in doing that like my kids will want to do the same and so, but you, we did, it was a lot of ebb and flow too, where my mom would go back and forth trying to figure out like, okay, how much is that? Like, should I be more strict with this or should I be less strict with that? And so like, for example, with seminary, I don't really remember seminary <laughs> very well, but I do remember the fact that my mom always made sure to let us know like it's important mm. and that there's, there's importance in the scriptures. And so the way like the gospel is kind of integrated into my family was a mix of both. And I never once felt like forced at all. And I think that's, I guess that's kind of a blessing because some people don't have that in their homes where it's very like, it's taught in a a very extreme way Mm -hmm. where it has to be this way. But the way I think about it is that, you know, Jesus Christ is like right at the center of that. He's very like, you have to have both for it to reap the benefits from it and be able to feel the blessings from it. Because if it's too much of this or too much of that, you're going to have some imbalance and everything Mm -hmm. like that. And I just noticed like when I over the I'm thinking back like from like young women and everything like that I think just the way it was taught in my home I never felt that like the gospel was controlling Mm -hmm. that commandments were controlling I never found the church to be an organization that was limiting our ability to have opportunities in life because I just I don't know I just never saw it that way. That's beautiful because that's so uncommon within people. Because it, it's well it's it's really easy to think that the intentions of a church yeah. or an organized religion is to be like we want you to turn out this way so you have to do this in order to be able to get that and it's like it's more so the perspective of like well it's this is actually like Christ's church and this is through His eyes and so like if we're seeing it through the eyes of people mm-hmm. we're gonna see it all the flaws and all the stuff that, which it does have flaws. But if you see in the eyes of like Christ and what he has planned for like 
his, the kingdom of God and like, you know, his brothers and sisters, it's like, it's like potential and mm-hmm. progress and a chance to grow. And that's like the whole point of the atonement. Yeah. So like, that's like something I saw growing up a lot. And I don't think, and I, as I was like kind of preparing to like come, come on the podcast with you guys, I like thought about that. And I like, I didn't really notice that honestly until my mission and um, then even after that and like going through those trials I had when I first came home too mm-hmm. and like even these past like I've been home for almost three years now and so it's like really cool how you don't know that in the moment but it's really good that's you stick with it you endure to the end you keep going to like yeah. realize oh it really did teach me a lot more than I thought so that's kind of like my background with it I mean there was a lot of like stuff that happened too but I think at the end of the day it's important to focus on like how things ended up in your present versus like mm-hmm. focusing solely like all the bad that happened in the past. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. I think that you taught really good principles in that first. <laughs> um, <laughs> but second of all, that you don't really come from like a typical Elias home, you know, like Not it's really. very the, the stereotypical. Yeah, stereotypical Mormon family in quotations. <laughs> very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what you were saying. Yeah. No, yeah. I think just like my mom too, like being able to see, she's the only member in her entire family. There's eight kids and there's a like a whole like melting pot of religions in her family. There's like Jehovah's Witness and Catholic and then like non-denominational. I think they even have atheists too. Mm-hmm. And my mom used to be Catholic too. Now she's a member and everything. And so, and she like honestly is the sole reason I think we ever stayed active in That's the church. Awesome. Because... It was because of testimony. It wasn't because of, like, this commandment. Or it wasn't because, like, oh, it was like this or like that. And and so, I don't know. It just makes me think about, I'm kind of glad I had a mom that, you know, took her time to, like, find that truth for herself. Yeah. Because it really it, influenced you. I it did. Really. It really did. I think it's part of the reason I served a mission, too. And I actually didn't know. I thought she was taught by elders this whole time because we have pictures <laughs> from an album. And there was with elders, and she's holding me, and I'm, like, a year and a half old. And um, and so she's like, no, I was baptized by sisters. Well, oh. she's, like, not baptized, but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, so was the mission always in your plans? It was. I, I think I first started, like, understanding the concept of a mission when I was about 12. So, like, right when I entered into, like, Young Women program and everything. And, um, and it was something that I found, like, okay, like, my mom was taught by sister missionaries, and I love how happy it's made her, and, like, every time I meet a sister missionary, they're all so yeah. sweet, and I'm like, okay, sister I want Sister missionaries to- are the best. They like, are. They are. when it comes Thank to you. elders and sisters, <laughs> like, sisters do way more quality work than elders do. <laughs> no. <laughs> some great humility. Right <laughs> I, I've no. always thought that. He's honestly. always been like that, though. <laughs> Like, definitely in the Philippines Bacola mission, the sisters did a lot more quality work. Oh, no, no, no. But, but yeah, so, like, that was just part of, like, the inspiration and everything. But both elders and sisters did good, so. They, they both do they, good work. They both yeah. do really That's good true. work. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's flip it over to, I'd love to hear a little bit from Joe real quick. And if y'all, just to bring you into the room, when Joe had the comment of, Felix <laughs> has known her mom since birth, he had to lean really close to the mic, and he had the, Biggest grin on his face. <laughs> he said, this is a good one. This, this is, good one. This is yeah. my daily life, guys. <laughs> I love it. See, I, I practice on her all the time. Yes. Just for moments. Just like for this. moments like this where we get to share it with the rest of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so tell us a little bit about how, how you grew up as well, Joe. Um, I grew up in California. with So my mom and my dad, let's see. My mom, well, they're actually both from Utah. 
and then they moved out to California and met out there. So oh. kind of the reverse of, of what we did. Yeah. And um, I'm the second of four children. So I have an older sister and two younger brothers. And yeah, been in my ch- been in the church my whole life. Uh, and I also grew up on the Nest videos. Mm. Nice. So, the best. Yeah. No, I, I had a reputation in in uh, primary because I because you knew everything. I knew I had all the facts. I was like, <laughs> and and Nephi looked like this because you know strong it's realistic, stature. Yeah. large in stature. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those cartoons are so realistic. Yeah, so I could, I was just like, <laughs> I was like Sam's a bit of a, a whiny. Like, I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't know. I don't know. We can uh, infer a lot from yeah. the Book of Mormon. <laughs> did um, did did you guys have gospel conversations in your home pretty my, often? My parents did. We had daily scripture study. So mm-hmm. for the kids, it started off as kind of a chore, and then slowly became something we look forward to. Um, but they they did their best to really instill that uh, openness for asking questions and trying to understand the scriptures um as opposed to like calyx was saying uh, enforce the letter of the law mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like that i like that and you served a mission as well yeah right yeah so i served in taiwan oh yeah which is a taiwan. country i swear <laughs> to make that clear <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's awesome so i think we kind of want to focus on definitely like how you two came together and ended up married like you are now do, do you want his story first or mine um, let's let's jump into what's yeah. the real one? What's the truthful one? Here's, here's <laughs> is the real story. Mine is mine is the better story. <laughs> Maybe another time. <laughs> let's hear it, Caleb. Yeah, let's let's jump into well, let's jump into kind of the reason that you're on the podcast today, Caleb. So then we yeah. can kind of transition over into how that's affected your relationship and things like that. So yeah. take us back as far as you feel you need to go. Okay. To the beginning, and. We're going to talk about kind of abusive relationships in this and how it's had an impact on your life. So yeah, feel free to take us back as far as you need. So the first thing that came to mind and when I first like shared with you guys through the podcast account on Instagram was um, just like really understanding what the word love means. And I always knew I was like very much loved by my family. Like it takes a village to raise a kid, truly. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you can do it by yourself, but at the end of the day you have like, you know, your tribe that helps you raise, raise you. And so, um, but I do know the fact that people have different ways of expressing their love. Like there's, you know, love languages, people do it through gifts, people do it through words, people do it through actions and service and people do it with physical touch. And so, um, and I think, I'm kind of going to take it back probably to when I was about 17, 18. I just graduated high school. I had just gone almost healed from a car accident that was pretty traumatic for me. And then I didn't know what I was going to do with my life at that point because when I graduated, um, I did have scholarships for track, but I lost all of them because of a, I had a neuromuscular disease. And, um, and so I just, I was like, okay, I don't want to, I was that stubborn 17 year old I was like I don't want to live at home anymore I want to leave and (laughs) I want to like start my life as an adult but I was 17 so I wasn't even an adult yet (laughs) but and so I decided like last minute to go to Utah State and um, up in Logan Utah and every day everyone's like what are you doing here from San Diego 
it's like mm-hmm. an iceberg here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's kind of all I had to choose from. So no offense to Utah State, but, um, <laughs> but I, I think that was my first taste of really understanding what like true friendship and what like, like actual, just an extension of love is from, mm-hmm. from just friends and then people you meet and like being able to be vulnerable in that, in that aspect. And so I just remember kind of, this is kind of the start of where I like kind of had like a, I guess a reality check and I got there and just the culture and difference, not only just within church, but just like the difference between California and Utah. And especially I think actually Northern Utah is very different. I was like, where am I? (laughs) And I, some of the roommates I had at that time were good people, but I just think that whole like sense of like freedom and Mm. no rules, like I can do whatever I want really, really got to them and they wanted it to get to me too. And I let it eventually to the point because I'm considered a people pleaser. I always have been. Mm. And I was the youngest and they always called me like a little nugget because I was only 17 and they were all 19 years old. So they like took advantage of just my age and my being naive and no no life experience whatsoever. Mm. (laughs) And so, but at the end, like I did have a choice to make and what I wanted to do, but not wanting to tell my mom about anything, not wanting to share like with my other friends back at home about what was going on. I was like, oh, but they're like my friends. Like it would make them happy. And mm, and yeah. I had to learn the hard way, especially with um, just getting involved in like the party scene and getting involved in like a group of people that I never saw myself being around because not that they're bad people. It's just some, you know, their choices that have a huge influence on how you direct your life from there on. And people don't think like, oh, you take that one sip of alcohol and it's like the end, not the end of the world, but it can be sometimes because that can lead to a lifelong of addiction and sometimes it can't. But um, that was a point where it was like I let I was more so allowing the influences of the world to dictate my choices. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I was like, I'm not happy and I'm not doing well in school and I'm not in a good place right now, both in all aspects. And so I kind of had a, this was my first like turning point. I was like, okay, I'm going to move home. And I decided that like I need to get my life together and I'm only 18 and I'll just move home. And I didn't want to move home back to my mom. And cause I was like, no, that looks so bad. Like I'm going to move back home. I can't do that. And so I decided to move with my grandparents and it was great, but it's that whole aspect of just not really applying the stuff that I was learning growing up. Like I realized I was like, there's a reason why you get taught, you're taught like the word of wisdom or you're taught Mm. certain commandments. And it's not to like restrict you from those experiences. It's to help you realize that like, is this what you really want to do? Is this really what you want to participate in? And it's like, you know, sometimes you have to learn it the hard way or not. Makes it more of a choice than just a lifestyle. That yeah, does. exactly. And so I feel like people forget that, like, you know, you choose to do this. You can't blame anyone else for it. And at that time, I was like, well, they made me do it. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, like, well, they, like, I had to. And it's like, did you? And that led me to a next point where I was kind of in a point where I was really feeling really lonely and I wanted to like date around and everything, but I was in a part of California where that wasn't really a thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have been to a YSA down in California, but everyone's like 35. Yeah. So, <laughs> so and I was 18. I was like, I'm not dating a 35 year old. And so, but I, 
I started going to church with like my grandparents and everything. The that ward I went to just knew knew me since they, I was in diapers and they're like oh but like they're trying to basically kick me out they're like you should go to a ysa ward and like actually make friends and i'm like okay sounds good <laughs> like, Leave me alone. i was like thanks <laughs> and so anyway but i got i was at a really low point where i just wanted to be like loved and accepted and wanted for who i was but i don't really think i really understood what that meant because i had just gone through a really traumatic experience just with the social scene up in and my first experience of college that i wasn't mm. looking in the right like areas for love <laughs> and so i um decided to get on those handy dandy like um dating apps that we know as like mutual and tinder mm-hmm. and like bumble if that was even then back then this was like 2016 so <laughs> um and i eventually um actually ran into someone at like in newport beach and it ended up leading me to, it was like a what is that called like hey, he was the first first person to give me attention. Like, I'll go with it. Like, and that's how in desperate, basically, I was. And because I wasn't around family, but I was, but they were all working. I didn't have any friends because I just moved back home. And I was just kind of in that, in a really vulnerable mm-hmm. situation where I just wanted to have some kind of, like, expression of love that was, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for at that time. Just any kind of affection. Yeah, practically. Acceptance. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to be wanted. Like, who doesn't, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, whether it's a friendship it's a basic or... human need. Yeah, or, or, or romantic, too. And so... Um, but I got to know this person, and um, I was like, okay, this is good. This is fine. Until, like, I got to a point where I was being, like, manipulated into doing things I didn't want to do. And I didn't start to realize it because I was doing it because I wanted to make him happy. I wanted to make him like, you know, feel good and everything like that. I wanted him to be like, you know, happier that he's dating me and everything like that. And um, it's like, oh, well, if I ask you to be my girlfriend, will you do this? Or well, if I ask you to do this, like, and I'm like, and then my in my brain, I was already so infatuated with the fact that I had a boyfriend, like not even like who the person was, just had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That was like enough. Yeah. And it's like, I think I'm like, that is so bad. <laughs> But it's like, it's so real though. Like imagine being 18 and not have, not really dating a lot in your past. You don't really know what to look for. Yeah. And what were, sorry, yeah, no, go ahead. But what, what were some of the like examples of manipulation that he would um, use on you? So like, it was like, like just like what I shared, it was like, oh, if I ask you to be my girlfriend and it's like, oh, he like knew that he was, knew some, that's what he wanted. knew that's kind of what yeah, I wanted. Yeah. And he's like, will you do this? And I'm like, maybe so basically like leveraging the yeah that, that desire for affection so, for what he wanted yeah exactly so for his own personal interests own personal desires no like regard for my feelings for mm-hmm. like my anything you like, know what? and can i just say that is a very common female feeling especially yeah. when this is kind of your first totally feeling of like totally I can be loved and like I see all these like princesses yeah. having love. No, totally. I see all these girls in high school who had their high school sweethearts and yeah. like my parents or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like this whole like idea of love to us is like just so especially when we're right out of high school. Yeah. We're so vulnerable and all we want you is don't this know anything. love because you're an yeah. adult now. Exactly. Yeah. This is super relatable. And you if you can't find it in friends, you're gonna find it somewhere else. Exactly. And if you can't find it in your family or you don't didn't learn it from your family you have to learn it on your own yeah and that was kind of my point of view but I was very much like very independent I didn't want to ask my aunt that I also she also lived with us I didn't want to ask her because I just like 
I didn't want to be judged. And then I didn't want to ask my grandparents because I didn't want to be judged because I, sh- I should already know because I'm in the church and I should already know how to be treated. But I'm like, no, that stuff is like modeled for you yeah. as you're growing up. And, um, and then like just you with my own parents too, like I just didn't really have a great example and how that worked out and that's okay like that's just how life happened for them that's not you know my fault but um but I, it just got to the point where um I was lowering my standards little by little by little that I never thought I would ever do to the point where I basically hit like an emotional rock bottom and I actually stopped going to church when I first started dating him because he said he didn't go to any kind of church he was catholic mm-hmm. what he claimed to be but he always like took up my time. I wanted to spend time with him all the time. Like I didn't want to do anything else but spend time with him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, red flag. <laughs> and I just, I didn't realize it until I got to the point where I was like, I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? Like I have a boyfriend, like we're, it's, we're having fun. And why am I not happy? And I actually like had a friend reached out and she's like, Hey, are you doing okay? I had like a feeling to reach out to you. And we had been dating, I think six months at this point. And I told her, I was like, honestly, I feel kind of stuck and I don't know why, but can I talk to you about it? And so I talked to her about it and she was like, you probably need to get out of that. And I was like, why? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, like why? Yeah. And so I'm like, I just, I just, I don't know why I'm feeling like this, but I just like, I thought I'd talk to a friend about it. And she's like, well, if I were you, I'd probably get yourself out. I'm like, okay, well, can you explain? She's like, well, you named, like he said this in order for you to do that. And then he said, then he did this. And then you were felt comfortable and safe enough to do this for him. And I'm like, oh, and she kind of put it in perspective for me and I didn't realize that um, the term that she used was grooming Mm -hmm. and it was where it's basically just manipulating the person and getting them to do things that they would otherwise never do and I didn't realize that I was practically being like just emotionally abused to like please him yeah Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, like, um, it was a point where I actually had a, I had a conversation with him in a car and we we're on our way to his friend's house. And I said, Hey, like, I can't do this anymore. Like I wasn't breaking up with him, but I was like, I can't do these like things for you because I'm not happy with it anymore. I like finally, it was scary, mm-hmm. but I was like, I remember shaking in the passenger seat and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm not happy. And you, you said you would respect it if I like one day just didn't want to anymore. And he was like, okay. I'm like, just like super was, apathetic. Yeah. And I was like, I was almost like, well, that was kind of way too easy. Mm-hmm. And then too, I was like, why was that? Like, that's all you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, okay, I guess end of conversation. <laughs> and it wasn't. And, um, this was actually a week before we broke up and we go over to his friend's house and his friend leaves and he's there and he's talking to me. And he's brought up that conversation again. And this is sort of the point where I was like, kind of like, what's going on? And that, that night ended up being something that I'll never forget because it was the night he actually abused me and I was assaulted by him that night. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where I not, not only did I hit like an emotional, like rock bottom, I like hit like everything. Like I was like to the point where I was like, I never thought this would happen. And 
I like forgot who I was. I didn't even know what happened at that. And I like just remember running out. And I told him, I was like, you're taking me home right now. And I don't even know how I had the like, the like feeling of safety to tell him to take me home, but he did. And I was like, I'm never talking to you again. And I found out later on though, that, um, he, that friend that I confided in, they like talked about getting together behind my back too. Oh. Goodness. and it was something that I was like there's this friend that was basically telling me to leave this relationship because of all these things she was noticing that was going on and then they were oh. and so it was like a huge point where I was like my friendships my relationships the relationship with myself relationship with God like I was like I am at a I'm like I'm literally at a breaking point and I would be lying if I didn't say I had some like suicidal tendencies at that time because I was like I did everything that I said I would never do in my entire life and it I like felt very broken mm-hmm. and I didn't tell my family for actually six months after it happened because I I thought it was my fault I thought it was um like my own wrongdoing how can I didn't see it sooner why didn't I end it sooner yeah. and it got to a point where I had a really kind a different friend reach out and she invited me to institute and she was like hey like there's this really great person that teaches institute it's in Costa Mesa do you want to come with me and I was like sure I have nothing else to do <laughs> and so I go and I was like felt something that I hadn't felt in like a year because mm-hmm. I hadn't gone to church in about a year I didn't, like didn't really I would like go every now and again but I would just wouldn't really be there and I go and I was like, I want to keep coming. I don't know why I feel good, but I do. And so I started going again and I, it's almost like, it was weird. It was almost like I didn't notice the atonement was kind of like activated in my life immediately once that happened. And it was like this light that just like lit on and I didn't notice it until later, but it was like, I almost started forgetting what happened like a year, like six months prior to that and what you didn't think you ever would mm-hmm. but like there i did have a period of time i was like i even forgot that i was just sexually assaulted by my boyfriend six months ago and and i sh- actually confided in with this institute teacher of mine and it changed my life like he kept inviting me and he's like hey like go like ward hopping find something that you feel safe and comfortable in and i eventually found myself in huntington beach and i made like really really good friends there and I'm so grateful for that friend and I'm just gonna give a shout out to my institute teacher because he knows all about me he was actually like our uh, wedding ceremony officiant Aww, too that's awesome. and he was my mission prep teacher too and so it's brother Andre Brian Andre um, he teaches institute all in like the southern California area he's the best and he was kind of what brought me kind of like what you guys this podcast is called like into the, back into the light and kind of just how I felt like purpose again where I didn't feel like I was worth anything anymore. And he, I just remember this really important thing was that he shared with me, he's like, we're, we are mortal beings with that. Or he said, we're spiritual beings having a mortal experience. And he's like, don't take the, what he, that person did to you as your mistake. Cause he had that choice too. And so that's something that was both a mix of like kind of my upbringing, how I saw, cause my, my dad did have like emotional abuse towards my mother and then my dad also just saw domestic abuse in his family. So it was very generational in my family mm-hmm. and both verbal, physical, mental, emotional. And it's really hard to break that chain if you don't know how. 
Mm-hmm. And and so like I had to experience my own in a different way. Um, also, if you but, didn't see it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I yeah. Know this is a possibility. Right. Because that looks like love to you. Exactly. And like, oh, like if you like. It just happens. Exactly. When you're right. So, no, you, if I hit a door down, that means I love you. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it doesn't. But it's just, um, I got to a point where I was like, I don't want my kids to ever feel the way I did. I don't want like any of my friends either. I, I want to be able to use this as a way to say, hey, like you do whatever you want with your life and whoever you want to date. But I'm letting you know, like, that's not what love is. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the point where I started to understand what actual love is once I started going back to, like, once I started going to institute and then I started going back to church. And it was, like, there was genuine, like, outreach because they cared about you as a person and, like, not what you've done. Yeah. And that, it was hard, though. I actually go to a therapist. I have been for, like, the past couple of years. But it's my, I developed post-traumatic stress disorder um from that and it's been hard because you don't think because people are like oh yeah doesn't that go away in like six months no <laughs> it doesn't it kind of depends on the trauma but um in my case just because it was just generational and a, a different type of abuse and then there's one within a relationship that was even more intimate and vulnerable mm-hmm. that affects like your dating life moving forward yeah. and so that was something that um definitely affected i think i think our dating for a little while and it still does here and there not as much but um that's one thing that i found when i was dating joe that he didn't wasn't quick to judge at all he would sit down and like listen to me and hear what i had to say and like my experience and he didn't judge me for my past he was like hey well like we're gonna you know not do that obviously (laughs) and not let that happen ever again and um, and we just, we worked on building a friendship and trust first before anything else. And that's what stood out to me a lot, like way different than even just guys I've went on like one or two dates with in the past. And that was something that I was like, oh, this is different. Yeah. And it wasn't chaotic and it wasn't, um, cause a lot of people think like butterflies and chaos and like drama and all these things going on means like it's progressing it's going somewhere because stuff is happening (laughs) but that doesn't mean it's healthy and so I noticed when I was dating Joe and I've told him this was why does it feel like so like calm and chill all the time (laughs) like even like like tough conversations we've had in the past like never raised a voice never like had like criticizing words where we're like pointing fingers it was all of like let's hear it out let's talk it out let's like see how we feel and like let's talk about it and I was like this doesn't feel very familiar to me and it was almost really hard to like I I almost didn't want to get used to it because I was like well that's not familiar I don't know how to do any of that and I don't know how to like have a conversation or a hard talk without screaming at each other because we get emotionally charged and we have to express it by yelling or by yeah. like throwing something or hitting somebody. And it's like, that's not healthy. Why would you want to do that? But when that's all you've ever seen and that's like all you've ever really experienced or or people like, or for example, like the silent treatment or like stonewalling, similar thing, or just like don't like, or they're passive aggressive about like their response and they don't want to give you a direct answer. When someone wants to do the complete opposite, and it's like, I'm actually trying to like communicate with you pretty clearly, pretty directly. And I'm like, 
wait, 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 I need to practice. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and, and it was really scary because I've never been very direct because I never ever felt like I was okay with getting what I actually wanted mm. in a relationship because I was always doing, I was always the giver, not the receiver. Yeah, that's far and I, I don't only receive if I give. So it was like very transactional. Yeah. So that's like, I would say like my kind of the like the transition so it was like a lot going on and then all of a sudden it was very calm and I was like okay this is different I like it yeah but I'm unfamiliar so is that bad so how early in the relationship did you bring up those conversations with Joe like when I almost this yesterday yeah I'm trying to remember yeah because we started off as friends yeah we were friends for a couple months first we were just hanging out for quite a while before uh calyx made a move and oh that's that i guess yeah. i should put that out there i was the one that actually asked joe out first well, so hey. i mean I'm, I'm i'm the typical guy i don't know if i'm misreading signals <laughs> we're, we're friends that. yeah we're friends we're hanging out at one point we were we so we were doing a watch party for what was it like it uh, was like the disney Hawkeye, plus the Hawkeye like one? the disney plus shows yeah, that they put the on like mandalorian show. and um yeah. wandavision and the hawkeye yeah. or whatever yeah and so we were there with all of our friends there was no room on the couch and so we were sitting on the floor together sort of cuddling and i was like <laughs> I think, <hold> <laughs> that's very clear to me what's what's going on what <laughs> Are, are we like, just I feel like, like there's more room. Uh, yeah. And then, there was a wide yeah. open floor. It was as wide as this table. I'm not kidding. So there were, there were very clear I signals that were just like right over my head. I don't get it. And so then she held my held my hand and... Actually, you did. Or did I hold your hand? You held my hand. I held her hand because I was like, what's... And then she held it back, and I was like, "All right, we're we're on the same page." <laughs> we're, that's and that's so then, then we started going on on dates and all of that. And I think it came up because we that was it didn't come up right away. That was right before, or not right before. That was a few months before summer when we started dating. Yeah. And then when we were dating, we ended up going on a lot of road trips because. Oh yeah, like uh, the work, road trip yeah. from here our like, summer, to California, California. and those summer are like nine hours. Lots of talking. California, yeah. Yeah. So, so we spent you know twenty something hours in a car just by ourselves, mm-hmm. and I think it came up sometime around then. It, I think it was in a car, um, yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys know this game called "We're Not Really Strangers." It's mm. one of my favorite get to know you games, but it's they ask the deep stuff. That's like the point of it. <laughs> oh, the card game. Yes, yeah. yeah it's like yeah, it's yeah. red. It's mm-hmm. all red, yeah. and so there's different like extension packs. And so on the way one time down, we played the relationship one or the dating pack, and one of them was I think something about you, something you never share that you wouldn't dare share with someone that you don't like really know too well. And I was like, you know what? I know him pretty well by now. And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna share it because I it's a huge part of my past. It's a huge part of like who I am today mm-hmm. and so uh, I think we were we stopped on the freeway in the middle of Beaver Utah or something was that when we were stuck behind the car accident yes okay yeah. so there was a car accident in the middle of Beaver Utah there's traffic there's yeah. traffic there he, in the middle of nowhere yeah. well some some guy um somehow got his truck stuck under yeah, or under yeah. a uh, oil rig oh. yeah oh, okay. so and there's traffic for about f- like we were yeah. just not moving for 45 well, they minutes were, well they were waiting on a helicopter to yeah. bring the guy up exactly but and so we, were, we that was the card yeah. i pulled up 
and I was like, you know what? We'll just answer this. And we had to both answer it. And so I I was like, you know, I'm just going to share. We have, we're just sitting here Mm -hmm. and I don't quite remember your reaction too well, but you just were like, I'm really sorry you went through that. Well, it was, I mean, it was heartbreaking that it could happen to somebody as nice as Calix. Like you served with Calix. Mm -hmm. He was my zone leader. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like we, we all know how sweet Calix can be. And so to hear something like that could happen to Calix just kind of broke my heart. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. How, um, sorry, did you, um, how do you think that, I guess talking about it in your dating life kind of opened up to vulnerability for him as well as yourself. Um, I think it was, so I noticed I don't have a hard time opening up about things, but I think finding a way to like connect over it sometimes, like mm. there's difference between sharing a story and then connecting over it. Yeah. And so I think that was something I was really looking for. I wanted to like make a connection with somebody. And I knew I'm not going to know a lot of people that have been through exactly the same thing I've been through, Mm -hmm. but I just was looking for something. And hopefully this was something that we could talk about where it would strengthen our relationship and build trust that he understands like where I'm coming from and how I could have certain reactions or triggers to certain things and that he'd be understanding for it. And so we've had hiccups here and there where I was like, he wouldn't do anything, but something that like he may have said, like wasn't anything bad. It just reminded me of something in the past. And I was like, mm. what's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would have a flashback and yeah. it would freak me out. So what were you going to say? Well, it, so one of the most important things after that conversation was communication. Yeah. Because sometimes like, what was the, it was like sugar. Oh, no, that was like a, yeah. But, but something as simple as just one word could, you know, evoke a response and I'd have no idea what was going on Yeah. other than she's not talking to me. Something's Mm -hmm. not right. Mm -hmm. And so having that open line of communication where we really feel comfortable sharing anything helped a lot because I knew that eventually she would, you know, open back up and let me know what was going on mm-hmm. and i would be like it was kind of like a weird trance like state where i was kind of like stuck in a mindset where i'm like i'm am i in danger am i something going on and yeah i was projecting a lot of what i was feeling onto him which wasn't fair to him but he was with me at the time and that's where i was had my trigger and i was really scared yeah. and so it, it depended on the time where i needed either like i needed like a hug or i needed him to like leave or something like that but it was kind of what he was saying i guess communication was like the key yeah point in our relationship otherwise i think we probably wouldn't have you know lasted to the where we are now and made it to where we are now so, so. in your dating life when did you get to the point i mean like there's you know, yeah the whole like love story right totally but <laughs> you kind of told us and expressed to us that you didn't really know what love was and so when you got to this point with this guy that you're like oh i love him i can see myself marrying this guy Mm -hmm. how how did you process that or how did you go through that in your brain because that's (laughs) no it's a good question are you gonna make a joke what are you gonna make a joke no okay (laughs) (laughs) i thought you're i'm very very serious about our our relationship (laughs) (laughs) um honestly i'm a big advocate for therapy um, the year prior, actually, no, it was, it was that year. I was actually my first time going to a therapist that was actually through the church's like social family services. And I really liked it because she 
never made it too churchy. Yeah. She like made connections, helped me make connections on my own to like specific experiences. I had spiritual experiences. I have general conference talks and stuff. And um, she made sure that like I was able to differentiate between like what I was perceiving and then what reality actually was. Because she's like, just because you're perceiving it like that doesn't mean that's actually what's going on. And so the way I was able to kind of figure out like what love actually was, I was comparing and contrasting a lot. And so the way like there's certain people. So kind of like my standard I had was like, if he's anything like my father, bless my father's heart. He's a good person. He's just made bad choices in his life. But if he's anything like my father, it's a no. And I know my father very, very well. Um, we haven't spoken in many, many years, but I just, his attributes and just kind of his mental health state that he's in and just the way he communicates, the way he's treated my mom, the way he's treated me, it was like, it's every red flag you can think of. I was like, if he's anything like that, which, you know, is hard because it's like, it's my dad and, but, and I always care about him, but it's like, there's just so many things I learned not to do from him. That I was like, if if I find someone and I date someone that is anything like him, I, I would tell them like, you're out. <laughs> and if you're anything like my ex boyfriend, you're out. And I was like, I'm not repeating history. And that was my biggest fear. So that was one thing I had to overcome. And one of the biggest things I found was that I'm never gonna have control over another person ever. I'm never gonna have control of how they respond to me. I'm never gonna have control about how they feel about me. I only have control about over me. And my choices, my thoughts, my actions. And I kind of had to be really brave. And I told myself, I was like, I'm eventually going to get married someday. I didn't, I did have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm in Provo, I'm 23. I should probably get married. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. And so I got myself out of this framework of like, I'm on a certain timeline based off of Provo standards. And it's more so I'm on a timeline based off of like what God has planned for me and what I have planned for myself in conjunction with his plan. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to be brave. And I channeled my, I think it was like my senior year homecoming where I asked a guy to homecoming. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try that again, see if how that works. <laughs> and I just, I, my calling at the time, I was mission and temple prep teacher. And my co-teacher, um, he had roommate, which was Joe, but he, Joe didn't move in until December, right? 2020 or January, 2021. And I was like, you know what? He's pretty cute, but I'm just going to like just get to know him for a couple months. And he was already dating someone actually at the time when I met him. And I didn't know that, but I wasn't dating when I made a move on Kaylee. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to point that out. (laughs) But I just, I realized I was like, you know what? The only, cause like the way to be able to figure out and differentiate love is I need to put myself out there. I need to take risk. I need to take a chance on something. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. And that's like, especially just someone who's experienced trauma you want to control the situation all the yeah. time you're always hyper vigilant and i got to a point i was like i event i don't like being like this so i need to do something about it and it was i wasn't successful all the time but i was able to recognize the difference and that i eventually wanted to marry joe was just like the way i felt all the time and the way i feel like we felt together and it was just very peaceful and i think in a sense we both felt the spirit and it was like that was like a confirmation that this is something that's good and anything I know that's actually truly good comes from God. And that was a process that came over time that you have to have patience with it. You have to like ask all the questions you have to have, do have a lot of experience with its experiences with each other. But, um, I would say that's probably like how I was able to finally get to that point where I understood it. And 
it wasn't like I realized a relationship isn't 50 50 it's 100 percent 100 percent from both people and then there's gonna be days where you can't give that much but for the most part you want to give all of yourself not just that half so I think you made a good point there by talking about risks like yeah risks are something you have to be okay with no matter what you're doing in your life but especially with relationships risks and the being okay with failing because if you're not okay with failing you're never really gonna put yourself out there in a way that is needed in the world or learn anything (laughs) yeah and again that's hard coming from obviously the the reserves that you have because of what happened Mm -hmm, totally it is so hard to just put yourself out there and be vulnerable with someone when you did that before totally and it totally like I guess backfire is the bad word, but like... No, like it, it feels that way. It just yeah. feels like, oh, this is because of me, right? In this yeah. entire situation. Yeah. Yet that is... No, you feel like you... are able to control that. No, totally. But you like you were saying, like it feels like you're the problem every time something goes wrong. Exactly. Like, oh, I exactly. messed up again. Yeah. Oh, I did this seven years ago. I did it again. Like yeah. it's my fault. Yeah. But like I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I need to stop like thinking it's my fault and then it's not all just his fault. Like we have our own choices and that... I have responsibility over me. Yeah. And I'm an individual, regardless if I'm in a relationship or not. Mm-hmm. And like, I have control over myself and yeah. he does too. That's and awesome. so it's like, it's hard though. Cause you still get stuck in that mind frame. Like I even, t- even now, like, I'm like, oh man, I'm, that was my fault. And then I would like talk to him about, he's like, you didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, really? It feels like I did. And it's yeah. like, and you just take that guilt and that like, that you know the fault because that's all you ever that's all you know that's all you know to do and then Mm -hmm. that's how you solve your problems but that's not really how to so love was very much a feeling for you yeah much i feel comfortable with you i feel calm with you yeah it was definitely a feeling well i feel like a theme that we found in most of the people that we've interviewed so far is there's this point there's this rock bottom point yeah yeah where the savior not only does he reach down and help you out of it but he's there with you in that rock bottom, whatever the, whatever the bottom is. So how, and this can be a question for both of you here, but how have you both felt the enabling power of the atonement in your relationship currently with the past that Calix has gone through? Putting me on the spot? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, I think the belief that, I, I'm trying to remember who, well, I, know, I believe it was Elder Holland said it, and I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but everything will be all right eventually mm-hmm. mm. has played a big part because, like I said, there'd be some times where she's, she just kind of goes catatonic. And I, it, I mean, it, the first time it happened, I was a little, a little scared. I was like, what did I do? Like, what, what's yeah. all going on? And um, later I find out it was just some, something triggered her. And the only thing I can do is kind of read the response. Is it all right to hold her? Um, Like, does she need me to just speak and, like, try and be calm? Yeah. So you had to navigate it, too. Yeah. That's very interesting. But, I mean, that's where being comfortable around each other came in. Like, understanding that, yes, at some point, even if you're not comfortable talking about topic X right now, we can, you know, keep progressing towards understanding each other and one day we'll feel comfortable talking about whatever. So where the atonement comes in, I would say just understanding that 
we always need to be improving, but we can't expect perfection right now. And we can't um, expect perfection from others right now as well. So for me, that meant adjusting some of the behaviors that might be more prone to, to setting Calyx off and also understanding that I shouldn't expect, you know, this happened once, we got through it, we're okay now, it's yeah. never going to happen again. Like understanding that, you know, no matter how comfortable we are around each other, things will happen and just being aware and being ready for it helps a lot. Yeah. That's that's powerful. Uh, a relationship, no relationship is perfect, but oftentimes we probably do think that a relationship should be perfect, even when you are, especially when you're in the beginning stages yeah, of dating. Totally. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I, I was just thinking when you were saying that, um, someone said to me the other day, or maybe I came up with it, but it was like, I'm fighting demons. I already thought I fought. Yes. And, and it's yeah. very much like you That's can relatable. think that you go through something and you work through it. You went through therapy. You're good <laughs> for years, right? And then something just happens and it's yeah. like, well, again, that's the way the human like, brain works. It's, it's crazy. It's it's insane. But then there's just so much more power in it. If you have to go through it a second time yeah. or a third time or a fourth time and be like, I got this. I went over. I went through it one time. Let me do it again. And let me yeah. do it again. And now I kind of know from the first time how I went about doing it with Christ. And you don't have to have this whole like, I don't know what to do, you know, because you kind of already know where to start. I don't know. No, totally. That actually brought to mind like emotional resilience yeah. and that and like spiritual resilience too, where it's like you're able to build this relationship with Christ like little by little to a point where you're like, oh, I've been through this trial once before. I got this. Mm -hmm. It's a little different than last time. Exactly. But if I could get through it that first time, what? who says I can't get through it another time? And that's it's really hard in the moment to think that. But like the fact is, it's like, kind of what Joe said, like things will work out eventually, like it does get better. Yeah. Um, and I think a really big scripture I found on my mission though, that kind of helped me think about that was, I think it's 2 Timothy 1.7. And it's like, God is not like the spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. And it made me think of like all these fears I have, all these things, these imperfections I have. And I'm like, that's not coming from God. He doesn't want us to be fearful. He doesn't want us to feel like we're not capable, that we don't have potential, that we can't change, that we can't grow or, or heal or overcome certain things. He wants us to, you know, be sure about who we are and know who we are and have love and love him and, and his son. And so, um, but yeah, that's, that's what it made me think about just that emotional resilience and that we can't, we don't need to do it alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one thing though, that stuck out with Joe though, when we were dating and everything was that he's very like level-headed he kind of likes to see things from like the middle point where he will see it like well think about this person and then what about this side and I'm very emotional person and so I, I when I vent to him and be like hours and I'm I feel bad because I'm like he has to listen to my whole rant mm -hmm. but he is very good at saying like well maybe have you like thought about it this way or have you thought about it that way and that I thought that was just like very Christ-like of him because to be able to see things from both points of view where it's like, because you can't just blame all on one side yeah. because there's two sides to every story. And I was going through a really hard time with a friend at that point during, this is like at the very beginning of our like dating history and everything. And, um, and he was like, well, maybe like see how she's feeling about this. Let me think about that, like going into talking to her about this. And I, that was something that I found 
very like attractive and also like very like comforting that I have someone who can kind of take what I say kind of think about it and then say and walk me through the process and but he doesn't like oh that took so long or like that was so (laughs) like or whatever but um, I mean for for me it was just trying to figure out what exactly was frustrating her yeah and then you know establishing like hey you can you can come to me with this stuff but if we're going to talk about it we're going to try and do it in a way that's you where you have time to vent but we also have time to kind of plan things out and make sure that Mm. we're learning and growing from this experience and then she does the same thing with me where i'll be i'll come to her with a problem she's like well remember when we talked about you know event (laughs) xyz and you did the same thing then yeah so it's it's just having that communication and being willing to to call each other out or to help each other resolve problems Mm -hmm. which yeah I was gonna. I mean, now you guys are married. How how long have you been married? Seven months. This October. Seven months. Yeah. And and I kind of think of the the paragraph and the family proclamation to the world that this is like men and women are kind of supposed to compliment each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you very much think this way, and he very much thinks this way, and he can help me see this perspective. And that's the point. We have different functions because we were made yeah. differently. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. So I think if, if you're okay with it, let's, let's ask our last question. And I'd love to get both of your perspectives on this, Yeah. but what is the thing from both of your experience that you want to bring into the light that maybe wasn't into the light in your life before? Hmm. And then if someone with this experience kind of went through the thing and you're like, you need to know helping, this one thing. If you're helping your past self. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think one thing that's come up for both of us kind of frequently when we're talking to friends, because we have, we have a few friends who are um, not where, where we were specifically, but um, just going through somewhat similar situations, we, we just advise that they always maintain that open line of communication mm-hmm. and having the trust in their, in their partner or in their spouse or whoever to say how they feel and expect the same in return. Yeah. And I would even open that to communication with God, yourself, and your spouse. Yeah. Because when you make a covenant, it's with all three of you. Definitely. Yeah. I think to kind of build off of that, um, I've noticed a difference when I include the gospel in my life. And a lot of people are like, want to separate like their life and then their life with the gospel they like kind of like want to separate that where it's like kind of like the member on on sunday type of thing and then throughout the week it's like oh maybe i have an institute class or like here and there but i because i that's definitely how i saw it growing up where or at least like just out of high school i was like oh yeah like i'll go to church every sunday but like during the week it's like me and i noticed that with like dating with relationship with myself and with god with with Jesus Christ and just how I apply the gospel to like my lifestyle and making it ar- my actual lifestyle as a whole, not having a separate one from that yeah. made Make me, yeah, exactly. They work together. It's like my personality and then my like likes and dislikes and stuff I'm good at and mixed with the gospel. I've never been happier. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing too, is that when I was getting ready to like, when I was, you know, officially the night I started dating Joe was like, I worked on myself a lot. I like went to therapy. I was going to all these like institute classes because it helped me feel 
like I was learning something, I was growing, I was progressing, and that's something I took away from my mission was always knowing that you can improve, um, but not take it to the extreme where you're like, you have to fix something every day. But I think the main important thing is that have a good relationship with yourself, have a good relationship with your savior, and the rest will come. And like, it does, you don't have to know everything right now. You don't need to like solve your problems right now. Mm-hmm. And the thing that seems so, so big and like problematic in your life right now, um, it won't, won't be down the line. Yeah. It, like, it's just that next thing that comes in mortality that you have to go through to learn this. And then the next thing comes and to learn that, like, there's always going to be something, but use that to like help take that into your relationships to teach one another and confide in one another. And like you're saying, like communicate, um, because we all have something to give in our relationships, our friendships, our congregations, our workplaces, our classrooms, like there's a reason why we have these different upbringings and different experiences or else else are out for all the same like then there's no point so that's beautiful thank you so much for both of y'all coming on um i think i've learned a lot me too this is one i definitely gonna go i go back and re-listen to all these (laughs) for editing purposes but this is one i'm gonna actually re-listen to on the podcast too before we before we close this one out I just wanted to shout out, and we're going to put something in the beginning of this episode as well, but Calix is the host of the Why We Stay podcast. <laughs> so you can find that on Instagram, why.we.stay.podcast. And she has amazing content. Is there anything you want to say about your podcast before we head out? Um, I guess the only thing is like I want to make sure that everyone knows that we focus on the why. Um, never forget what your why is. And if you're experiencing and not knowing what your why is, like take time for yourself to figure that out because mm. that's the whole point at the end of the day. Like the plan of salvation, God's plan for each of us, he has a why. And if there's mm. no why, there's no purpose. And there's a purpose to everything. And so if you're trying to figure out your purposes, go ahead and like listen to my podcast, I guess. And there's a lot of great podcasts out there like mine that just want to share and bring more light into the world just like this podcast does where can so. uh, where can people find your podcast what platforms um apple spotify amazon google every awesome. platform Hopefully, every platform one day every platform <laughs> <laughs> the why we stay podcast yeah oh, thanks guys awesome. thank, yes. thank you both so much for real it was a pleasure a lot of answered prayers i'm not gonna i'm a yeah. little in shock so thank you for a lot <laughs> of what you said well thank you for giving us an opportunity to yeah. share our stories yes, so of course well um, we come out with an episode every Tuesday at 7.30. Yep. 7.30. <laughs> 7.30. Stay tuned. Um, and if you guys feel that somebody needs to hear this episode, please share it. Like it. Share it. Everything. Because that's the point of this, right? Helping Absolutely. others. We love you all. See you next week. Bye. Bye.